Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Wednesday, March 10th, 2021. Well, here we are in the middle of the week on this Wednesday, and surely all of us, as we think through our lives, there's some place where we're going to feel a need. Maybe that's a a physical need, a medical need. Uh, Hopefully, we all have some sense of spiritual need in our lives or an emotional need, whatever it may be, or we have unmet desires, things that we want, and these may be good things, but that we do not have. Well, how are we going to deal with these things? And the question I want to ask you today is, are you complaining or are you confident? And I think in a couple of our passages today, we're going to see a contrast between those things. And first, we're going to kind of see some negative aspects of how we can respond to needs or unmet desires in Numbers 10 and 11. Now, we have talked about how Numbers is a pretty lousy name for this book, uh, how that's just the censuses at the beginning and the end, when what those countings were doing was numbering the soldiers. This is a book about preparing for war, going to battle. And what we see is some of that flavor in chapter 10, where we see the silver trumpets. And uh, really think of that as that was how they called people to action, right? That they could blow an alarm that would raise the camp to battle. They could By blowing uh, the trumpets in various sequences, summon the people to the tabernacle. And so that was a part of the system, really, of preparing this people to mobilize. And then we see the people actually get up and leave Sinai for the first time. Uh, They had been there for, for quite a while there at the mount where they received the Ten Commandments. But now the time has come to rise up and go onward and go forward towards what will be battle and war. And you notice even the language that's used at the end of chapter 10, whenever the ark set out, Moses said, arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered and let those who hate you flee before you. And when it rested, he said, return, O Lord, to the 10,000 thousands of Israel. So there again, we see very warlike language that is being used. But most of the examples I want to get to referring to this idea of are we complaining or confident are going to come from chapter 11. And it starts with the people complaining and there is this fire that breaks out from the anger of the Lord. And Moses prays to God and the fire dies down. But then seems pretty quickly there's another problem. It refers to them as the rabble that were among them had a strong craving. And the people of Israel also wept again, saying, Oh, that we had meat to eat. And remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up, and there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. And so what we see much of the rest of the chapter revolves around this request and this complaint, really, that they want meat to eat. And God eventually is going to provide meat through quail that are going to kind of flock and swarm the camp. And they're going to have so much meat, more than they can even handle. And God even is going to turn that meat kind of into another plague uh, saying, hey, you want meat here? I'm going to give it to you. And there's a few things that I want to notice here. One is just notice the complaint that they bring. 
and even they complain about the manna. And I, on some level, you can see that as understandable. If you were eating the same thing every day now for uh, close to a year, do you think maybe that, that would get a little old, right? And there's probably only so many different ways you can prepare manna. And so maybe it's not that exciting. But on the other hand, should they not be saying, I can't believe that God has gone this whole year and still provided us food? Like literally every morning, there is miraculously food here for us. But the amazing nature of God's miraculous provision has worn off for them. And they just want something more. They want something better. Uh, And another question that I have here, even as you see their complaint and they're crying out for meat, um, and and even how God provides in such an excessive way with the quail, I, I wonder if there's not more really at work of a greed or a covetousness here. God is providing bread for them because uh, what do you need for bread? Well, you need crops. You you need to sow and you need to reap and you need a harvest, right? And, And those are things that they are simply not going to have in the wilderness. Well, what do you need for meat? You need animals. Uh, do the Israelites not have animals with them in the wilderness? I mean, we've seen so much instruction on how they were to sacrifice. Clearly, they had animals with them. Did they really have no meat to eat? Or is it possible that what is going on here is more than just a desire for some meat, but it's really we're tired of the bread that God is giving us and we want more. Uh, maybe they they were more, much more limited in that than they used to be as they were wandering through the wilderness. But uh, I have some questions about this, but we see the response is a lot of complaining from the people of Israel. Now, Moses is a bit better, but still, I think his response, there's some things that trouble me about it. If you look, starting in verse 11, Moses said to the Lord, why have you dealt ill with your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight that you lay the burden of all this people on me? Right. And at the end, he says, if you will treat me like this, kill me at once if I find favor in your sight. So he's saying, God, why have you mistreated me? And if this is what, what you're gonna, how you're gonna treat me, kill me. I, I honestly, I, I don't think this is a model for how you and I should pray. I don't think we should be going to God saying, God, just just kill me. And why are you mistreating me? But what I do think is better here with Moses than the people is that Moses is actually bringing his complaint to God. And I think to some extent we should we 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 should. Uh, let God see our emotions. I mean, we see that a lot in the book of Psalms. So Moses, I think at least is better that he is bringing what is bothering him to God. And we see God answer Moses's prayer by providing these elders that are going to help Moses out. But then the chapter ends with God providing the quail, but then this, this plague, this very great plague, it says in verse 33, really. And it was because of their, their craving. And so even that idea of craving, it seems that it was some kind of unhealthy desire that they had. So as we think through our needs and our uh, unmet desires in the middle of this week, let's make sure that, uh, that we're giving thanks to the ways God has provided for us. Let's make sure that sometimes our desires get a little bit out of control and they become over the top cravings. And I think that's some of what was going on here. But then how do we respond? Are we going to respond by complaining? Um, Or are we going to respond with confidence? And we're going to see that confidence as we look now at Psalm 34. Psalm 34 is going to give us an example and really some language that I think we should try to make 
our prayer in ways that we should say, God, this is how I want to respond. And we see instead of complaint, really a commitment to praise, starting at the beginning of the chapter where it says, I will bless the Lord when he provides for me. Oh, sorry, if you're actually looking at it, that's not what it says. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. And then I love verses four and five. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them, right? I think we could have seen more of that in the response of the Israelites. They could remember, whoa, remember when we were slaves in Egypt and we cried to God and he heard us? Remember the 10 plagues? Remember the Passover that we just celebrated again? Remember how God parted the Red Sea? Man, God saved us out of all of our troubles. And then we see that attitude of confidence that he delivered me from my fears. And those that look to him are going to be radiant and their faces are never going to be ashamed. This should be our goal. As we go through the trials of life, as we look at needs in our life, as we look at unmet desires in our life, I hope that we will say, God, I'm remembering the ways you've provided in incredible ways for me in the past. And now my face is radiant because I am confident that you will provide in your time, that you will do what is good. So I hope there's some powerful lessons as we look at numbers and Psalms today, and that we would be people living with confidence, looking to God to meet our needs and not people characterized by complaint. Next, let's go to Matthew chapter 21 verses one through 17. And here we read about two instances, the triumphal entry, uh, what we remember on Palm Sunday, and then Jesus cleansing the temple. And again, notice that Jesus is very self-consciously fulfilling prophecy at the beginning of chapter 21. He is the one saying, hey, let's go get that donkey. And that's a reference then to Zechariah and some specific references there. And notice that he is not riding into town on a war horse. He is riding into town kind of on a donkey, a sign of humility. He is coming as a humble king, and that is something for which we can give thanks. And clearly the people are responding to this. There seems to be some sense of messianic expectation, but then he goes into the temple and he clears it out. And he is upset that a place that was should have been designated for worship and for prayer had been turned into a place really of of profit and greed and uh, just trying to make a buck and and really using that um, for their own selfish gain. And clearly that's something that he rebukes in them. And of course, the religious leaders have have a problem, right? They, They don't like all the messianic language that's being used to describe Jesus. And Jesus says, have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies? You have prepared praise. Uh, Jesus has no problem with the messianic language because he is the Messiah. And that's really what gives him the authority to go into the temple and to clear things out. He is the king riding in to town. Finally, let's go to Acts 21 and we'll finish the chapter in verses 27 through 40. And yesterday we saw how uh, Paul was not trying to needlessly offend people, right? He didn't want people to think that he's just telling everyone uh, that 
and especially Jewish people to just forget everything about their heritage. But what we see today is that even when a servant of God tries to be reasonable and tries not to needlessly offend people, that does not mean that people will still not make false accusations and twist the truth and lie and persecute those seeking to please God. And that's really what happens today. Uh, they, they see Paul and Jews from Asia. That would have been Turkey. They stir up the crowd against them. Paul almost dies. It seems that they are trying to kill Paul before the Roman soldiers come in and try to break up this riot and intervene. So I, that's some things I've been kind of learning from Paul in this chapter is one, he wasn't needlessly trying to offend people, and that's a worthy thing to do, but that doesn't mean that will always work. Uh, Kind of a principle like we saw recently in our study through John, you know, as far as possible, live peaceably with all men. There's limits to what that is possible, and these people clearly were out to get Paul, and we see that, but at the end, he has kind of now been up on the steps, he's going into the Roman fortress that would have been right next to the Temple Mount there, and he is going to make a defense, give an explanation, and that's what we're going to dig into in chapter 22. But this Wednesday, as you think through need or unmet desires in your life, I'm praying that we all respond, uh, not just with complaining, but with confidence in a good God who meets our needs and has done great things to provide for us. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.